You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. There's not a shred of doubt in my mind. It's going to happen. But here's the present reality. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. Would you say this with me? Come on, here we go. You ready? In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to him. There's the rub. I call them troublesome truths. That's what Daniel 7 is all about. If you're with Jesus, then you can confidently know that you're headed to an eternity where your side has won. Jesus will return as the King, and all who serve Him will be under His rule for eternity. It's a glorious future where perfection is fully realized. Sin will be squashed, and with it all the pain and hardships that it seeds. Pastor Danny reminds you today that a great future under Jesus awaits you. If you can keep that truth in the forefront of your mind, you'll be less likely to fall into the traps of the world. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, as he begins his message, A Prophetic Nightmare. Daniel chapter 7. Grab your Bibles, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel is in Babylon. It's called the Babylonian captivity. It lasted 70 years. Daniel was there for all 70. Chapter 7, verse 1. Daniel writes, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. Stop there for just a minute. The book started out, chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, when Daniel first showed up there, he has a dream. God uses Daniel to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now here in chapter 7, Daniel has a dream. Visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed, and he wrote down the substance of his dream. Now, it's interesting, this dream comes in the first year of Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar has come. He reigned for years. Nebuchadnezzar is gone now, and his grandson, Belshazzar, takes the throne. You studied Belshazzar back in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar is not the guy Daniel would have voted for. He's a rebel. Nebuchadnezzar ended up humbling himself. Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Never happened with Belshazzar. Belshazzar's life ended tragically. His reign was a terrible reign. And in this first year of Belshazzar, Daniel has this dream. Here's the dream, verse 2. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. 
For the sake of time, trust me that Revelation is a sister book to the book of Daniel. In Revelation, we know from Revelation that the great sea is nations and peoples and languages. So the churning up of the great sea, it's the peoples of the world. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea, out of the nations. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man. And the heart of a man was given to it. Then there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up, eat your fill of flesh. Verse 6, after that I looked, and there before me was another beast. Now at this point, I want to clue you in on something. At this point, we know that this is not just a dream Daniel has. This is a nightmare. He's not enjoying this. This is that dream where you see the thing you don't want to see and you just want to wake up. This one looked like a leopard. On its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying, frightening, very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims. It trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had 10 horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Little horn, big mouth. Then verse 9 gets really interesting. As I looked, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. We know that's the Father. His clothing was as white as snow. Hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. Its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. That's the angelic host. The court was seated. And the books were opened. You read in Revelation very similar words, very similar things. Verse 11, then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. You can make a note. I don't have the time to go into all this, but Revelation chapter 19 verse 20 is the exact same thing. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision tonight, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Son of man is a messianic title. This is Christ coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus, that's the way he's going to come, with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days. The Father was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshiped him. The Bible tells us one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Verse 15 is interesting. I, Daniel, was troubled 
in my spirit and the visions that pass through my mind disturbed me. He wants to know what it all means. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. Now, in verse 17 and 18, he's going to give us the most succinct explanation. You can't get more brief and clear than verses 17 and 18. Here it is. The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Here's the dream. It's a prophetic dream. It becomes a nightmare. And it's a dream of the prophetic history of the world. Kings will come, kings will go, kingdoms will rise, kingdoms will fall. Jesus is going to come. He's going to set up his kingdom. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. That is verses 17 and 18, and that is the most succinct explanation of the dream. You can get more specific. There's so much specifics here. When you go to Revelation, if we had the time, we'd go compare verses in Revelation. We'd find the 10 kings. The ten horns. You'd find in Revelation the little horn. That's Antichrist. Three of the ten kings will not submit to him. He takes over anyway. They subdue before him. He rules and reigns. He's a little horn, but he's got a big mouth. He exalts himself above everything that is God or called God. Second Thessalonians tells us that he'll set himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That will be what's called the abomination of desolation. That's when things really begin to unravel. It's a dream of the prophetic history of the world. But for Daniel, it's a nightmare. This is just an artist's depiction. There are many that have been drawn. Fascinating. Winged lions were practically the national symbol of ancient Babylon. Sculptures of huge wooden lions stood at the entrance of their palaces. Why a winged lion? Habakkuk chapter 1, God prophesied about the Babylonians, and he said, I'm raising up the Babylonians who sweep across the whole earth, the sea's dwellings, not their own. Swift conquest. Folks, it is clear from Scripture that the lion, the winged lion, is ancient Babylon. That's clear. The bear is Medo-Persia. The bear raised on one of its sides, signifying Persia's dominance over the Medes. Even though they were allies, Persia dominated. Three ribs in the bear's mouth. You study history, Medo-Persia had three major conquests. 546 B.C., the Lydian Empire. 539 B.C., the Chaldean Empire. 525 B.C., the Egyptian Empire. Three ribs in its mouth. Medo-Persia in history had an insatiable appetite to conquer more. And that's why the words are given to the bear, get up, eat your fill of flesh. They just wanted more, 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 just like a bear does. Prophecy is amazing to me. The winged leopard is ancient Greece. Alexander the Great conquered the then-known world faster than any other ancient power. Over 11,000 square miles from Greece in the west to India in the east, and all that 
And for that day, a short amount of time, eight years, I mean, they just kind of ran across and just gobbled up everybody. But Alexander died as a young man. Nobody expected him to die. He died suddenly. And then they were like, they were like what are we going to do with all this empire? Well, here's what they did. They divided the empire up to his four top generals, and there is the authority given to the four. That's his four generals after his death. Fascinating. But then this last beast, dual meaning, ancient Rome, but also a revived Rome. That's clear from Scripture, especially, again, when you compare the verses in Revelation, which deal with this period primarily known as the Great Tribulation that's coming upon the world, a seven-year period. Antichrist, we call him, will rule a ten-nation confederation, and they will dominate the planet. It's interesting that Rome was never conquered by a foreign power. Rome kind of just imploded over time, just kind of died out. And guess what? Rome's coming back. That's the prophecy. That's the nightmare. It's not the first time Daniel has been given these prophetic details. No, no, no. Daniel chapter 2. Oh, I know, you're getting old like me. Daniel chapter 2. That's a long time ago. Let's go back. Okay, let's go back. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. What was his dream? He sees this giant human statue. And Daniel interprets his dream of this giant human statue. The head of gold is Babylon. The chest and arms of silver is Medo-Persia. The belly and thighs of bronze is ancient Greece. The legs of iron are ancient Rome. How many toes? Ten toes. And the feet with the ten toes of iron and clay Iron and clay, because they're a people not of one language, they're a united people of different nations, a ten-nation confederation. Fascinating stuff. It's the same message in chapter 2 as it is in chapter 7, with one notable difference. Daniel sees four beasts, and for Daniel, it's a nightmare. Nebuchadnezzar sees a great human statue of which he's the head of gold. And even after the truth of that prophetic dream is told to him by Daniel, he still continues to exalt himself. He stands out on his balcony. Is this not the great Babylon which I have built by my power? And so the difference in the dream in chapter 2, which is Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and Daniel's nightmare in chapter 7 is simply this. Daniel chapter 2 is man's perspective. How much can I conquer? How great can I become? And Daniel chapter 7 is man exalting himself and heaven's perspective. Kings come and kings go. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But there's coming a king and he will not be elected It will be a sovereign act. He's coming with the clouds of heaven, and he will set up his kingdom. And if you're smart enough to submit your life to him, when he sets up his kingdom, he'll invite you to become a part, and you will rule and reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And he's going to take care of your retirement plan. 
He's going to take care of your aging problem. He's going to take care of all your problems. In the end, we win. <laughs> in the end, we win. I know you're excited about that, but hang on. Hey, I know you're excited about that, but hang on. <laughs> Daniel knows that, right? It's right there. It's right there in chapter 2. It's right there in chapter 7. So I have a question. Why is Daniel so troubled? He doesn't just end with, well, we win in the end. Praise the Lord. No, 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 no. Go back to the chapter. Chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 19. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast. It's not enough. Verse 18, the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. Praise the Lord, we win. No, Daniel, Daniel's like, I want to know the true meaning of the fourth beast. I got questions, which was different from all the others, most terrifying. With its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head, and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others, and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them. Please note that. I didn't want to note it, but I did note it. In the end, we win, but here, it doesn't look like we're winning. Till the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. And he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It'll be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth. The whole earth. America will not be a superpower in this day. Trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He'll speak against the Most High. Oppress his saints. Try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half a time. That is three and a half years. That's half of what we know of as the great tribulation period. Be an awful time for people who have faith in Christ. Verse 26, but the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. And again, Daniel sees the end and he knows in the end, we win. But that's not how he closes the chapter. I don't want you to miss this last verse. Verse 28, this is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. And my face turned pale. Stop there for just a minute. I want you to appreciate what he's saying here. He's saying, I got depressed. Daniel. Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel. His face turned pale. And notice his last statement. But I kept the matter to myself. He was so troubled (laughs) by the message of this nightmare, even though In the end, we win. (laughs) He was so troubled by it, he didn't even tell anybody. He can go talk about it. He just turned inward, and he was depressed. I don't know about you. (laughs) That encourages me. And at the same time, it discourages me, (laughs) if you know what I mean. I thought about it deeply 
I thought about it so deeply, I came up with this statement. Let me read it for you. Despite the truth revealed that one day all the saints would reign with Christ forever, the painful future prior to this becoming reality caused Daniel great anxiety. I spent so much time thinking this through. I'm going to take the time to read it again. Despite the truth revealed that one day all the saints would reign with Christ forever, the painful future prior to this becoming reality caused Daniel great anxiety. This is real life, man. Here's what the Bible declares, Ephesians chapter 1. When the times will have reached their fulfillment, when all prophecy is fulfilled, Christ comes back to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. That's what's coming. That's what's going to happen. I'm as sure of it as I'm standing on this stage. And I'm as certain that I'm going to rule and reign with Christ as my name is Danny Hodges. It's going to happen. I know that I win in the end. I know that. There's not a shred of doubt in my mind. It's going to happen. But here's the present reality. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. Would you say this with me? Come on, here we go. You ready? In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to him. There's the rub. I call them troublesome truths. That's what Daniel 7 is all about. That's really the message of Daniel 7. It's truth, prophetic truth. I don't have any doubt about the truth of any of it. (laughs) And I know we win in the end, but there's a lot of things in between here and the end that I just don't enjoy thinking about. And I'm telling you, I could have filled up pages and pages and pages of Scripture. But I'll just give you a sampling because I know you're going to be hungry in just a few minutes. Probably already hungry now. Here's the truth from the Bible. The last days are the most difficult. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, and he said, Mark this, mark this. You make sure you note it, Timothy. There'll be terrible times in the last days. You might as well throw the American dream out the window in terms of prophecy. It's not there. Won't happen. Here's the truth of the Bible, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's going to get worse before it gets better. You know one of the things that really troubles me deeply? I mean deeply. I'm as American as anybody. I will die for this country. I love my country. I've been to a lot of countries in the world, a lot of countries doing missions over the years, all over the world. There's no place like America. Despite all the problems we have, listen, I always want to come back to America. I love America. God has blessed America. But here's what troubles me. I want to do everything I can by my vote, by my preaching, by my practice in life. I want to see America come back to its Judeo-Christian roots. I love America but I can't find the America that I know and love in the end times. I don't like that. I don't like thinking about it. I'm not a doomsday kind of guy, but the reality is America, according to these prophecies, is not the superpower in the end. What I see in terms of the direction America's heading, we're going to be just like Rome. We're going to implode. I don't like that. I don't want that. I know we say, not for me, but for my grandkids. I understand that. I got grandkids. 
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Pastor Danny has been teaching through the Book of Daniel, an Old Testament book on history and prophecy. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. Just look under Resources. We also invite you to join us in our Bible reading plan. This is a great way to get into the Word every day. You can find out more under the Resources tab as well at ccfstpete.church. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us in prayer here on The Living Word. Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener out there that's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to help minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Would you pray for us as we create programs and for the listeners as they hear God's word? And like Daniel, be diligent in your own faith. Don't let the things of the world sway you from the one who is holy and true. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us for Pastor Danny's continuing teaching through the book of Daniel, right here on The Living Word.